Blog Talk Radio. It's December 2nd, 2018. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight, we're joined by co-host Jeff Brown, and I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Remember, good leadership is never, ever about power and control, but rather for the honor and privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. Announcements. First announcement. Working for a Living Radio show is about to enter our fourth year. Two. Working for a Living Radio Show is a member of Michigan Association of Broadcasters. Brother Jeff Brown is our designated liaison to the Michigan Association of Broadcasters. Three, any of the mainstream media, especially uh, print media in Detroit, who want to know what our field reporters know or are working on, just listen to this radio show. Thank you very much. Four, On November 26, 2018, General Motors, in its infinite wisdom, announced job cuts for 14,200 workers, many of whom were salaried, but many of whom were also our members in the UAW. Announcement number five, on November 26th, interestingly enough, the same day, the U.S. president threatened to cut electric vehicle subsidies. More on that later in the show. Six, in the ensuing week after GM's announcement, the UAW executive board members responded by video. More on that later in the show. Number seven, Sherrod Brown's 2017 questions, I'm sorry, Senator Sherrod Brown from Ohio, D behind his name, Uh, 2017 questions about the tax cut incentivizing corporations to offshore manufacturing was reproduced this past week in uh, progressive segments that were also subtitled. Very interesting if you haven't seen it. Announcement number eight, congratulations to all who were elected in UAW special elections in November 2018. Announcement number nine, congratulations to co-host Jeff Brown on his official retirement from the Ford Motor Company at Flat Rock Assembly Plant as of yesterday, December 1st. Congratulations, brother. Email and messages. First one, congratulations to Jeff Brown on his official retirement from all over the country and Canada. People just love Jeff, and they're really pleased and happy. There was, oh, geez, probably close to 100 of those uh, that came in. And we we really do wish our brother the very best. Uh, Our email number two, our prayers, this came from all over the world, prayers go out to all of those affected by auto company cuts. Uh, email three, 
how many workers, I mean, I'm sorry, how many other workers are affected by one job cut by a company like General Motors? And several locations sent that in. Well, uh, the Colgate Institute in 1990s did a study that proved that one prime job supports 5.5 other jobs in their immediate area. That's a lot of jobs. That's 6.5 total jobs that they're looking at cutting in, in these areas. You'll hear a little more on how resilient some of these locations actually are. Email number four. What can be done to stop these cuts? Everybody's asking that question. More on that later in the show. Thanks to all our email writers. This week's definition, wildcat strike action. Strike action. Wildcat strike action. One, a wildcat strike action, often referred to as a wildcat strike, is a strike action undertaken by unionized workers without union leadership's authorization, support, or approval. This is sometimes termed an unofficial industrial action. End of the official definition. These were used just by, uh, well, we'll let that go and we'll cover that later in the show. We'll commentary on that later. Uh, this week's quote, if you come only to help me, then you can go back home. But if you consider my struggle as part of your struggle for survivor, survival, then maybe we can work together. A wise woman said that. Okay, thank you uh, for uh, that, and we'll bring Jeff on the show now. Jeff, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing okay, Leroy. How are you? I'm pretty good. You, uh, you know, <laughs> don't be so modest. This is your first. Well, I guess your second uh, day of retirement. So, you know, how, how's that going for you, brother? You little, little feeling good about that? Feeling, you know, a little uh, bittersweet because you missed the people, but looking for, for some new things in your life? Yeah, a little bit. Um, strange not having to go back to the plant that I helped start, the union I helped start. Um, met a lot of people over the years. It's just um, hard to put in words. Uh, it's just uh, hopefully I can live without too much pain anymore. Not having to worry about how I'm going to feel or when I get to work. Uh, I need to concentrate on my health first. But it's hasn't hit me yet, really. Um, we'll see in forty-five days how it goes. But um, yeah, it's a strange feeling that I'm not used to. I have worked every day in my life 
since high school. And when I graduated high school, that was when the recession came in in 1980. And I can remember being the only member of the family with a job because I had so many relatives working in, in the Ford Chrysler plants. Um, yeah, and I was laid off from year 12 and a half to year 15 and a half of my own career, uh, almost mm-hmm. just, just under three years laid off in that same time period that you're talking about, Jeff. I mean, it was, you know, a real struggle uh, in the early 80s. Yes, Something it was. That we'll talk about later on in the show, but, uh, you know, that a lot of people haven't seen this, this type of uh, downturn uh, where they, you know, begin, I mean, we're at the, the apex of the economic cycle, they say, and here they are announcing major layoffs. So, uh, you know, I can relate to that early 80s time frame that you're talking about, and you were the only one in your family that had a job. That's pretty yes. pretty, um, pretty telling. You know, so. uh, yeah. I, people who were listening may have remembered that I had predicted that something huge was going to happen soon, and I didn't know what, and I didn't expect it to be this big. Um not only at GM, but at my plant, they are cutting a shift in April. And um, this one whole shift, supposedly all the full-time workers are going to play somewhere. But all of our TPTs are now without a job. Some who have worked inside the plant for four years and that never becoming full-time. And, um, shame on the international for that. Right, um, right. And we'll talk a little so, more about that in the show too. Yeah. Right. But there's, yeah. there's, you know, it, it's not just GM, as you indicated. You know, this is, uh, uh, you know, announcements haven't been made yet, but mm-hmm. there's discussion among uh, leaders and members in other facilities about. Uh, cuts in other uh, of the auto worker, uh, automaker uh, corporations. So uh, we can see more of this. They just happen to be first, uh, right? And uh, so, so you know, probably as you move through this next week, and you know, probably tomorrow when you get up and don't have to worry about going in there and climbing on your fork truck, uh, you know, it start to hit you about, you know, your retirement is real. And uh, so we wish you the very best. We, You know, as you know, there were hundreds of people that reached out. And, well, yeah, at least 100. They reached out and uh, sent emails and, and uh, messages to you, uh, both the public and private. So, you know, people really do uh appreciate who and what you are and have been throughout the decades. And, you know, I know I do, you know, uh, and I've said so much in in your own Facebook page. I uh, wrote a nice little uh, congratulations and best wishes for you. Mm-hmm. you know, so, yes. but, yeah. And so, you know, if anybody wants to see that, can go to Jeff's page and read. There, there's just I don't know, 
be hundreds, but there's a lot of them there. Uh, you know, people really appreciate Jeff for what he's done, what he's been through. You know, we last year was a tough year, or this year even, early part of this year was a tough year for you and a couple of co-workers and myself when trying to uh, make sure that you got your full membership back. Heard. You, uh, uh, anything else going on in your neck of the woods this this past week? Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah, I had a great Thanksgiving. I just stayed home, watched some football, and relaxed. Got ready for the next week. Um, we were uh, on short work week that week, so um, I did enjoy it. Did enjoy it. Good, good. Yeah, because you you guys were actually laid off for a short work week. Well, not laid off, but you were given you didn't have to to work uh, part of the previous week right. and and short work week for the Thanksgiving week. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was interesting. It's kind of telling on you know they they didn't really need the product to be built. So although I'm mm-hmm. I'm hearing a lot of rumblings about a new generation Mustang. Have you heard anything about that? Yeah, and no, it's it's all rumors right now. Yeah, um, yeah it's supposed to be a new generation. Um, that's what we're hearing a little bit, but we don't know when. You know, it won't be right. for a while yet. And nobody knows where the autonomous or the electric vehicles are going to land just yet, so there's all of that coming Uh down the pipe as well, and uh, we'll just we'll just see where all this goes. Uh, it's not ever fun going through the pain of transition, though. So we'll you know we'll just keep an eye on this and do what we can to mitigate the the pain. So um, mm-hmm. for all of us in Michigan, this uh, just kind of FYI. Uh, there's just a lot of gales going up in Lake Superior. This wind is coming straight out of the north. Uh, my understanding is, talking to some of the people that are maritimers, that uh, uh, most of the ships are either crawling along the north shore of Lake Superior or up, up in Thunder Bay on the Canadian side. So that's coming down through the UP. Peninsula. For those of you not in in Michigan and uh, the Lower Peninsula, we expect to see some pretty deep uh, temperature drops and maybe even a, a whole new round of snow. Uh, it's pretty nice here early in the day, and then it turned to rain. And uh, this is again coming right out of the north, and it's going to be pretty pretty bad. So be a little cautious. Uh, in the next few days, if you're in the Michigan area, probably, I'm, I'm guessing Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, will be getting it as well, parts of New York and Pennsylvania. So just just be aware we have some real weather coming our way in the Midwest. So having said that, uh, Jeff, you want to uh, do a couple sections of the Constitution before we get into the meat of all of this? As we sure. kind of dice some things. I believe I left off at uh, section Article 16, Section 11, according to my notes. 
um, Section 11 from the corporation, portion of dues income allocated to the International Union Strike and Defense Fund in accordance with the Sections 5A and 5B of this article for a two-third vote, the International Executive Board supports the purpose the International Union shall set aside all accounts received to be drawn upon exclusively for the purposes of, one, Canadian local unions draw upon engaged by unauthorized strikes in case of lockouts, and two, assisting by donations or loans other international unions and non-affiliated local unions similarly engaged. And three, meeting financial obligations or expenditures which this international union or its affiliated local unions incur as a result of authorized strikes or in cases of lockouts. And four, providing direct material support to the members seeking their contract who are legally prohibited from striking, and five, then the rights of the members to collectively bargain. Uh, Section B, the International Executive Board shall have the authority to make additional limited withdrawals from the International Strike Fund and Defense Fund, provided that such additional withdrawals shall not exceed $60 $60 million between the two consecutive constitutional conventions and such withdrawals shall be permitted to only support specific purposes or projects such as major organizing drives or other initiatives intended to increase UAW membership, strengthen the UAW's ability to bargain effectively and or promote the interests of the membership of working people generally. And this was a big, big issue when it first came out. If you remember, there was a lot of people upset about this, putting $60 million of the strike fund into this new fund they're doing to organize. And I think that happened under Mr. King. But if you remember, there was a lot of of angry people about this one. Section C, the interest and earnings of investments received by the International Union's Strike and Events Fund shall be allocated to the International Union General Fund or to such other purpose as the UAW International Executive Board shall determine to be in the best interest of the UAW. D, no later than, okay, this one's really outdated. Um, of course, I'm not reading off of a uh, older constitution. No later than June 30th, 2002, $75 million shall be transferred for, from the net sources of the strike fund to a newly established emergency operation fund, the assets of the emergency operations fund, including occurred interest and earnings on investment shall be available to financial Finance operations of the International Union in the event operating funds resources are insignificant. Sustained operations due to the effects of the protracted or expensive strike. A series of strikes or other events 
posing serious threats to the economy viability of the UAW International. I'll just do one more, everybody. Section 12, at least once a month, the International Secretary Treasurer shall advise all local unions of the exact international union strike and defense fund balance. And we'll hold it right there. Um, I know we've got other things that people really want to know about. People, what's been happening in the country in the last week. Um, but these, this did raise a lot of eyebrows and angry people when this new fund came out. Right. Organized yeah. fund. Well, let, let's just talk about, you know, the, the, uh, the professionalism of our membership this past week as they uh, exhibited restraint. I mean, there isn't a member in the UAW that's not angered, no matter where you work, that's not angered by this General Motors announcement. Uh, Most of us, except the leadership, are not necessarily all that surprised. And I was really appalled at seeing some of the leadership in their videos acting like they were aghast that this even happened by their partner. But we'll talk more about that in a minute. But, you know, our, our members, you know, uh, in in Oshawa, their union told them, go ahead and walk out. So that was essentially an authorized strike. It wasn't a wildcat. They just didn't walk off the job up there. It's my understanding that their union told them, you know, the heck with them, just walk off the job. Uh, and their laws are a little different up there than they are here. So we have to keep that in mind as we uh, do such things. But, um, you know, you're, you're familiar with wildcat strikes, and I know I, in my early part of my career I saw, you know, a number of them where people just walked out. In fact, you know, uh, Reuben Burke, who Burks, who was, uh, you know, shop committeeman, uh, I think he walked out uh, what's currently uh, Flint Truck Assembly, okay, used to be Flint Truck and Bus, uh, when he was working there, as was, I believe he was chairman, and uh, he didn't like what was going on. He walked him out. Uh, he he got promoted to staff, you know, international staff, behind that almost immediately so they could protect him from the retaliation that they expected the corporation was going to give him for doing that. It was a wildcat strike. He just walked down the aisles and said, let's leave. We're done. And they all followed him because they trusted him. They had trust back then, committee. And uh, they got away with it. Uh, Again, you know, they resolved the issue. Everybody went back to work with little to no grief. They didn't uh, start enforcing uh, permanent striker replacements until the late 80s, and this happened in the the late 60s. Uh, And, you know, Brother Burks moved up the internationally as regional director for a while. 
Then he went on to be financial secretary, treasurer for the International Union. And he knows a lot about, you know, wildcat striking. And he's been silent in, in all of this. He hasn't said anything. And I only know that he did that because, you know, his son was a very good friend of mine for many years. We worked together in the plant for nearly 20 before he passed away of leukemia. So, interestingly enough, he was an expert on uh, bone marrow transplant match and uh, type and cross match uh, and was uh, essentially the foremost leader in that uh, for the the nation, and uh, much of his work remains today as the standard by which they do such things. So my friend Donnie Burks was, uh, uh, you know, really added a lot to our our communities and nation in the world. But he passed early. Uh, but you know, his dad was, uh, you know. Uh, trendsetter, you know, and he, he did that. I, I think I saw one other wildcat personally, <clears throat> but um, they got away with them back then. They didn't have permanent striker replacement, and the mindset of just outright discharging an entire plant was just unacceptable because the rest of the nation would go out on a, on a full authorized strike in protection of them and shut everything down. So everybody was, and we had, and General Motors nearly, you know, I'm going to guess 600,000 members at that time, real close to it if it wasn't, maybe more. So we had a lot of things that we don't have today. So uh, I personally want to thank each and every member that are working in the plant today that I know are very angry and very upset with everything that's going on. I want to thank you for your forbearance and your restraint and continuing to go to work and not committing in today's environment what we believe to be personal financial suicide. You would be discharged wholesalely and not come back to work. You wouldn't have unemployment or sub or anything and no job. So thank you. We sure would have liked to have seen something like that, but we we cannot, cannot ask anybody to do such things. There are people out there that were promoting that, and they are not your friends. You should know that. They're not your friends. What are your thoughts on Wildcats, Jeff? Yeah, I... I've seen a couple happen during my high school years down in the coal country of Ohio. You know, those, those miners back then had a lot of power, and they were willing to strike at any moment for anything, any reason. Um, we know that, like you said, Canada, they walked out. Um, when... On Wednesday, we had a four-minute town hall meeting by the plant manager explaining the uh, 
going to one shift, and apparently after the meeting, um, as I walked out of the hall, um, one of the TPTs got up and threw a chair, and then they escorted him out with the police. Wildcats can't happen. You have to stay together and do the proper procedure by law. You're going to lose your job if you do a wildcat strike. That's my thoughts, Leroy. Right, right. right. Well, there, you know, I personally I support, you know, uh, national strike. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but you got to get everybody, yep. okay? And because of Taft Hartley, that you can't support a uh, sympathy strike. It's called, in other words, a strike by your. Uh, um, other union brethren, let's say the Teamsters go out on strike, that the, that the, all the UAW go out. Well, that's that's a sympathy strike. And, right. You know, we we in our last radio show before all this happened, we actually you know sort of touched on that just a little bit because the leadership can't do that. They'll get fired and. and uh, Put in jail, not fired, but be charged and be put in jail. I'm sorry, charged and put in jail for doing such a thing. But people who aren't leadership and are in communication and know other unions and leadership can communicate in such a manner. You know, and I think I know some people like that. Do you know anybody like that, Jeff? Yeah, I know a few people. <laughs> I know a few people like that, Leroy. Um, yeah. I know a couple on this show. Yes. Yeah. So we have to be really careful and deft if we ever decide to get our head out of our ass and actually hold these companies to account. But there's a lot of reasons why that's not being done currently. And we'll get in to touch a couple of those tonight yet. But uh, so for now, uh, these wildcat, you know, thoughts out there are not not something we want to be doing because you you're not going to win in this environment. You're just not. You just look around at the court systems. There's nobody going to support you in the court system. Okay. No. Just keep keep that in mind. So. I want to thank everybody for your forbearance and not walking off the job. You know, I mean, we don't like any of this going on either, but we don't want you to be injured either. So having said that, um, so that kind of covered that a little. Uh, I want to say um, that these cuts that they're talking about, as Jeff indicated, and we've indicated in the past, a lot of these have already been announced. Okay, we talked about Lansing Grand River uh, being off for an additional couple of weeks in in uh, uh, December and coming back likely to one shift. Uh, you know, there's been the, the 
we've had people in Lordstown already laid off and a shift gone already there. So a lot of these are already on the books to be laid off or already been affected to be laid, that have already occurred. So let's be clear about that. Um, you know, that, you know, this is not necessarily all new news. Okay, they just put it in, uh, in a, into a, uh, a little capsule and put it out there last Monday. Um, that's very, very interesting. Uh, Jeff, you got thoughts on, on how the progression of that went from, and some of this had already been baked into the cake? Um, we know the car sales are down. Ford has announced that they are going to stop making cars in the future, except for maybe the Mustang. That's be the only car they will be, will be making that I know of. Um, Lord's uh, Lansing Grand River makes a couple cars. Car sales just aren't there. It's the SUVs and trucks that are in high demand. That's the difference, I think. And we kind of expected it. Like Leroy said, we've seen it coming. Right. And I mean, you know, we've been talking about it on the show. I mean, I think yep. people got kind of tired of listening to it. I mean, I went by an Applebee's, and, you know, usually there's 40 cars there, and I saw four on a, on a Thursday night, you know. And so this is a pay night. A lot of people get paid on, on Thursday. You know, they get... Mm-hmm. You know, their their money uh, into their bank, you know, direct deposit a lot of times. And they're out having, you know, a nice dinner with their family or something. That, You know, this is, you know, we've been talking about that on this show for a while. Okay. I mean, uh, it didn't take a rocket science that's actually paying attention to what's going on in the community to actually see some of this going on. Now, we're going to get into some of the reasons for it at the corporate level rather than just, you know, at a restaurant level. But we'll get into those in just a minute. Uh, so that the notion that uh, this was some great surprise to all of us wasn't necessarily so, although it was to a lot of the leadership. Um, perhaps they've been too busy in Palm Springs away from what's really going on in Detroit near the General Motors building or too busy up there monitoring Dennis Williams' new cottage salivating over the good work that's being done by non-union workers to actually pay attention or be in communication with the leadership of these corporations to know that this wasn't any damn surprise. We'll get into that. We're going to break down some of these videos that have been out there. So, what do you got? Some thoughts on that, Jeff, about, you know, their engagement that seemed to be lacking between, you know, our union leadership and the... Corporate leadership. You think that was, you know, 
discussed, and they just seem like they're in some la-la land. It's just, I mean, the one guy, he he looked like he was in in shock, just aghast. He's he's mm-hmm. right up there, you know, just right up there at the top. I mean, he just looked like he was, you know, dumbfounded. How could they possibly do this to us? Oh, our partners in crime, they look what they're doing to us, whine-ass little brat. You know, George Meany's turning over in his grave right now. Yes, he is. Whine-ass shit like that. Oh, look what they're doing to us. Grow some kahunas. Do something. Besides, stand there in a video reading from a teleprompter that a PR firm put out for you. Bunch of punks running this union. Just no, no cones whatsoever. Well, all right. So <laughs> it's just, it's just sad to watch what they their response. Just absolutely sad. Okay, let's talk about Jeff. Did, did you see the Sherrod Brown video? Senator uh, Sherrod. Yes, I did. He, you know, he's yeah. a man of great power and wisdom, and uh, we wish him the best of luck, along with his uh, other Democratic friends in the Midwest, uh, yeah. to often things like this. Yeah, I got a lot of respect for him. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I do too. If you haven't seen it, it's worth seeing. It's on my page, and it's on the Working for a Living page as well. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's it's really, really telling. But we'll go into it and, and summarize it for you. Uh, this was during the hearings uh, regarding the tax break by the new presidential administration uh, that took uh, place in effect uh, uh, 1st January 2018 they pushed it through and it's questioned to an international tax expert young fellow seemed to be pretty sharp and didn't like answering the questions because he was from the administration they're supposedly selling this and it didn't turn out that way because of Senator Sherrod Brown's questions, and he he asked him. He said, uh, "How much tax on f- foreign profit will currently be charged under this new bill?" And the young man said, zero. And then he asked, "How much tax will be charged on profits?" in the United States, domestic profits, and he said 20%. He said, he asked, he said, can they deduct from, as a business cost, tearing down a plant in St. Louis, can they deduct that from their uh, business, as a business expense? He said, yes, they can. 
So what you're telling me is that they can tear down a plant and get a business expense write-off and not have to pay 20% domestic taxes and move the work overseas or offshore or to another country and not have to pay any tax, zero tax, on regular, ordinary profit. And the young man hesitated, and he said, that's correct. So this bill incentivized corporations by 20%, asking Sherrod, Senator Brown was asking, this bill incentivizes by 20% the offshoring of these jobs in the United States. And the young man who was there trying to sell this tax cut had to not, had to respond yes. After some hesitation, he said yes. It incentivizes the movement of jobs from the United States to other places non-domestic. So now we know some of the reason behind moving jobs to Mexico, reducing them here, okay? And that's not a good thing. And this is due to legislation that's been passed in the last 14 months or so. So, here we are. We have such legislation going on. Jobs leaving. We're seeing the full effect of corporate elected officials versus elected officials who support people who work for a living. And some of you own that. Some of you in public ran advertisements for the man that did this to us. Many of our members, against their own best interest, quite obviously, supported the wrong person. So, we have that, and it's, it's there now. Uh, I had a long dialogue with a sister on my page about how that can get changed and can the new house uh, makeup change it and quite simply that cannot be done. A, another bill could be drafted changing all of this and it would maybe get passed in the house. Wouldn't get passed in the Senate because you know why. 
corporate people are in charge and they're being held to a party vote with the exception of somebody that passed away recently, Senator John McCain, who actually cared for the country. And then it would be vetoed. If it were passed in the Senate, it would be vetoed. And then you need a two-thirds majority, supermajority, to pass it in both houses to override a veto. So that's not likely going to happen until we get our heads out of our asses. Think about it. All right, so that's part of the reason. One of the other reasons we touched on is permanent striker replacement. You know, we have little to no power with the strike if they can come in and put somebody on our job as soon as we walk out. In case of a wildcat strike, I mean, they'd have new people trained and back up to production speed in two weeks' time. Yeah, barely missed a beat. And never, ever look you in the eye ever again because you'd be gone. And the same thing can happen with a regular authorized strike if we're not careful. So um, those are some of the reasons why we have lost our power and our membership. Um, we're going to break down these videos and talk about them a little bit and discuss some other things about uh, what, what actually occurred uh, in them. So the first one, Jeff, do you have anything to say about, you know, just generally the legislation and what occurred with this tax cut and, you know, what might be done to correct it. Is there anything that you have to add to that? Uh, I think you hit it on the head, Darley Roy. Um We knew these tax cuts were going to help the working man. Um, these companies took advantage of it. And I'm at a loss for words. We knew this was going to happen. Yeah. We knew this was going to happen. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, so this first video that came out after everybody was kind of talking about uh, maybe following cannabis. Kind of Those high blood sugar and diabetes symptoms What's that? No, go ahead, you're right. Okay, all right. Uh, so, you know, there, there was a lot of discussion about following Canada's lead. So finally, somebody started to talk uh, at the uh, International Executive Board level. And the first one that came out, I got to tell you, the guy's just, you know, wet behind the ears, reading off a teleprompter, or reading from the script that was written for him, and nothing from the heart. He, he had to point to a UAW wheel 
you know, like we none of us know what the damn thing is. Well, there's one on the wall back there. There it is. See it? Yeah. No gumption, no passion, reading from script. And he's whining about, we can't do this by ourselves. We can't do this by ourselves. We need help from others. Well, you're too snot-nosed of a kid to realize what's been going on for decades. I had one of the people that uh, followed me come to me and ask me, he says, how come everybody else hates us in the AFL-CIO? And I'm going, what in the hell are you smoking? Are you that far out of touch? Jeff, do you have any thoughts or a couple of incidents of us abusing our brothers and sisters in the AFL-CIO? Can you think of a couple or not? Uh, No. I do think as we have mentioned before, that our leadership is out of touch. Yeah, right. Well, what about what about down here to, to Louisville? Did we take another Louisville. union's job? We took. Didn't we take another union's yeah. jobs? They were they yeah, were organized. I union yeah. doing doing work, and we took their jobs, didn't we? We talked to the company, give us those jobs. Well, whining like a bunch of babies. The only way they can get a doggone any more organized membership is, is steal from another union. Yep. In this case, at least, you know, I mean, you go out and organize somebody, but they ain't going to organize anybody until you actually start acting like a union. Yep. You know, they can't get it done by themselves. They want help. We took We took another union's jobs. No, they got them back, and we had to pay a bunch of money and penalties, you know, paid for by us, the members, because they didn't have to come out of pocket for it, the leaders that did it, mm-hmm. Mr. King. Yeah. He's Number one. one yeah. mm-hmm. That's one yes, of them, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Here yep. in Michigan, they had a, a statewide union leader who ran for house rep in another city where he lives, and he'd been elected at a county level, and he ran for house rep. We did not endorse him. But we didn't just not endorse him. We went out and vilified him. Mm -hmm. The other unions all saw that. And this is a beloved man by many of those brothers and sisters. Beloved. And they're mad at us now. I can tell you just last night, it was noted by myself that a UAW member was in patronizing a business 
won't get into what kind of business, but it's a you know it's a legitimate one that's owned by a known union buster, not of the UAW, but of the building trades. Bust them unions. Do as much as they can possibly do not to build with a union or prevailing wage. But we're in there as, as recently as last night supporting this family. You think that other people don't see that besides Leroy McKnight? Hell yeah, they do. And we and wine ass down there at the region complaining about we can't do this by ourselves. Wake up. Start acting like a union. Stop acting like you're king of the world. Grow some balls and be nice to our brothers and sisters. And then maybe we can all work together. Or if you need to, there are people that do get along with the other unions. If you promise to be nice, maybe we will help you. But you've got a long way to go. Because first you've got to stop, at, stop acting and looking like a kid. Nobody's respecting you. Except your brothers who travel east. And I'm sick of it. There's a group that's got to do a little policing of itself. Yes, I said it. Recognize it and fix it. Because the rank and file didn't like it. Then we find this guy, the next guy. Jeff, do you got anything to say more on the, the whole notion that we can need the help of others? <laughs> well, we're supposed to be here helping each other, and that's not happening from any of the region offices or Solidarity House. They have forgotten what it's like to be on the floor. They knew this stuff was going to happen because companies in the top UAW leadership, they all have a five-year plan. So you can't tell me that UAW did not know this was going to happen. This is the fact, folks. I held positions in my plant where I was invited one early day in January to a manager's meeting where they are setting up their agenda for that year. And I was invited to listen and provide my input on a program that I was running. They have, you can talk to any former uh, bargaining committee man, any former chairman, they will tell you, if they're brave enough to tell you the truth, they knew this stuff was going down. And I'm sorry, and they blew it. They blew it. 
they are just as guilty as General Motors is right now. They played part of the game. That's what I got, Leroy. Okay, Jeff. Well, thanks. Um, you know, <laughs> you know they. Uh, you know, I just want to keep going on these videos because the next one that come mm-hmm. out, we had a guy standing there waving around a, a black book. Interesting yep. that it's black. It's interesting that it's black. And telling us how we approved that agreement. How we, not the, the membership, approved the agreement. They, and they approved the 11 agreement, too. So why is he so concerned about the agreement all of a sudden with all this shit going on? That damn book holds new language that ended the pathway to seniority for temporaries in violation of the UAW Constitution that says no more than three months temporary work permit. No more than three months. That's 92 days at the max. That's why the, the contract that got circumvented was 90 days, and now its seniority is, there's no pathway, only at the discretion of the, the parties at the national level, evidently. We'll tell you how many you can have. No, there's supposed to be a, a pathway. And then they got... This in progression took six years to get from, you know, temporary wage up to uh, top wage, legacy wage, they call it. And that's suppressed. Some people took a pay cut to get into in progression. Yeah, I'm looking at a pay cut so you can get a pay raise. Just absolute insanity by our union leadership. And temporaries in progression. The legacy workers got little to nothing, and they still don't get any uh, pension progression on their pension. It's pretty much still fixed. And nothing, if you work over 30 years, you get little to nothing uh, extra now. And the retiree got new language, and that agreement that he was waving around, he's so damn proud of, to cut their wages, to cut their their pension in half if the funding falls below 80%. Cut it 100% if it falls below 60%. Yeah. That's in that book he was waving around. He's so damn proud of said, oh, you... You ratified this. The members ratified this one and the 11. They're tainted agreements. The, what the, by and large, what the members voted for was a sign-in bonus. They couldn't see beyond their nose. Because on another radio show, Jeff and Scott Shingledecker and myself broke it down, all of it, and rubbed it in their nose. And so this is a bad agreement. Rub it right in the leadership and company's nose. And he expressed surprise 
at how the corporation's treating him. If you'd have spent more than five seconds on the line, you'd know the corporation gives two hoots in hell about any one of us. Any one of us. And if they had their way, we'd all be making 35 cents an hour like they are in they were at one time, the Maquilladoras, on the border of Mexico and, and the United States. They're making a little more now. But if they had their druthers, they'd all be making 35 cents an hour, and we would too. And these people are shocked by that because they're partners with them, and we'll talk about that partnership in a little bit. Yeah. So, Jeff, what do you think about that guy waving the book around? Everybody thought it was such a good thing that he was standing up for the work. He's a fool. What? He's a fool. He doesn't deserve to be in that position. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. It's my feelings. And then, then we had the third video to come out. Absolutely astonished at the corporation's behavior. My buddies are doing this to me? Oh, my God. You know, about the time I retired, they started talking this bullshit about the new UAW. The new UAW. Leroy, you don't really fit into the new UAW. You can't piss management off like you do. And we're not supposed to be aggravating them, you know, because, you know, a lot of people are making a lot of money around here. You know, them, them community people, are, they're getting a pretty good paycheck. You know, and you guys are doing okay, too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've seen how they get their paycheck. Sign a piece of paper. Start at 4 o'clock in the morning. And I hadn't seen him until 8, 8.30. Mm -hmm. I seen how they got their big paycheck. And the new union was going to outsource everything into the IPS, and it was going to be really powerful. The IPS was going to be powerful. And they, this new union allowed that. The new union did. They thought that was going to be a good thing, save money for the corporation. It reeked so bad that I don't want nothing to do with it. And I left. And I made them pay me a lot of money to leave. Yeah, I did. So, this whole notion that you should be surprised at your partner getting mad at you and, oh, my God, they did this to us. If you'd worked more than five seconds in some small plant, supposedly in a glass plant, and actually twisted wrenches somewhere, building a car, or did some other back-breaking work, you would know that management gives two hoots in hell about us and as soon as they're done with you, 
they'll discard you. You see, the new union has allowed all this outsourcing into the IPS. That was part of the plan. Oh, but we're going to go organize those workers. They'll only make half the money, but those, you know, they'll just have to start over and try and, you know, come back up. I had, I had a union officer had the guts to tell me that one time. What's going to happen? Oh, they'll just have to, once they get way down, they'll just have to start back up again. Well, I guess that's where we're at now. We're way down. In today's buying power, what I made in the middle 70s and others, $320,000. And I can demonstrate that by through the cost of a Corvette that was some 28% of my total wages, and now it's about, uh, my wages are only about 60% of what the Corvette costs. And that's a good measure. Same thing with Social Security. We used to pay it off in April, late April, early May, and few people pay it off these days. So just think about that. If you paid off the $119,000 it currently is in May, isn't that, you know, extrapolated somewhere into 300000 you got to work a lot of overtime, but people are still working the overtime. There's two ways to calculate and prove buy-in power. And they're lucky to bust a hundred thousand working all the overtime now. And very few pay off Social Security. Some of the leadership does. So you give away, you outsourced, you suppress the wages. Now they don't need you anymore and they Oh, we'll just start cutting everything now. Since Roger Smith decided that they were going to shrink the corporation in 82 after that agreement. By the way, Cal Rapson was the chair of the National Bargaining Committee in 82, and he was the vice president presiding over the GM contract in 2007. Both horribly concessionary efforts. But they've just absolutely done everything they wanted to do, and now they don't need you anymore. They even got dead peasants insurance. After 2006, corporate, corporate life insurance, otherwise known as dead peasants insurance, has to be approved by every retiree to purchase life insurance on them that gets then paid out into the corporate executive suite pension plan. In 2017, on May, I outed Ford CEO for having an $858 million pension plan. Ford fired him 21 days later on May 21st. And a very tragic thing happened to my family on the 2nd of June. I won't go into what happened, but it's very tragic. 
and I just learned of it here not so long ago. And some of the shows that we abated were part of my grieving. So now everybody kind of gets that a little bit. But they've allowed this corporate life insurance. I don't know a retiree that signed it, authorization. Do you know one, Jeff, anywhere in your travels that have signed authorization for corporate life insurance to be bought on them? No. I don't know no, any. I not. So I didn't, the only I didn't way that this be a, yeah. You know, the only way to, yeah, I know you're just a recent retiree, but you, might, you, know, you know some retirees, brother. Yeah. So how the hell could Mark Fields have an $858 million pension? That's 34 times what his highest salary was at Ford, and he didn't work 34 years at Ford. Not quite. So he didn't get a, uh, a uh, uh, pay any tax on that money and didn't. You know, didn't eat or anything. No expenses for his living. Almost a billion dollars for one man pension fund. How did that happen? Who authorized that? Well, there's only one answer. Somebody that represented retirees that had the authority. And that authority was achieved during the 2006 VIBA. Through that court case, they they achieved the thought and the whole notion that notwithstanding Pittsburgh plate glass versus chemical workers in 1971, that they now represented retirees, and they could sign such a document authorizing the use of dead peasants insurance, corporate life insurance. Mm-hmm. That's the only way Tamar Fields could have had that. So corporations are getting all this money, the executive suites. And you're seeing indictments by the FBI and an ongoing investigation by the FBI. And you've seen Labor Education Training Corporation or Center documents from 2010 and 2011 whereby former vice, former President King of the UAW and then Secretary-Treasurer of the UAW, Dennis Williams, received some $30,000 each year for that uh, two-year time from a labor education training center in Region 9. There's 54 at last count. Two checks each. 108 checks to 14 people. Simple math. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we can prove the two for two years. It's our opinion that the other LETCs have similar activity. And that's being proven now by the FBI. 
we've already seen the non-profits that they allowed to occur. So we're seeing the reasons that leadership would forsake the membership and allow all this bullshit to go on. There could have been one thing done, but we had a lot of sabotage going on in June. One thing would have begun to stop a lot of this, and that's the rescinding of any authority, any and all authority, for dead peasants insurance, also known as corporate life insurance. That would have stopped the flow of revenue into the executive suite and start sending it down to the members. The government gets a bite out of it. Stock and bondholders get their bite, and some of the communities get a little. So that's why this is going on. Now, what can be done about it? What can truly be done to reverse this? Jeff, do you, I mean, do you have any thoughts on this this whole notion that the corporations have? just absolutely gutted our membership with almost the blessing of the leadership to offshore and outsource work and cut wages and suppress wages. You got any thoughts on that? Um, yes, I do. I think you touched on it a little bit ago, Leroy, is some of our members vote the wrong way on on certain elections. Power memo was written, which resulted in NAFTA. And yet these people don't understand exactly what the Lewis Powell memo is. Um, our leadership, not just in the UAW, but all the other unions are given concessionary contracts over the last 10 years. And it's sad. It's very sad. My, grandfa- my grandfathers will be rolling over in their graves right now. Um, it's just we allowed it to happen. We need to start educating people into voting contracts or people who support us, working class. That is a must. And we've got to do it. There is no other choice at this time. We need to train, train them, teach them. And a lot of them really don't care. And that's the sad part. That's what I got, Leroy. Right. That's one element of it, Jeff. And Mm -hmm. the leadership hasn't done a very good job of educating the members who've uh, come in to the union. It just haven't. They've let them. I mean, I I, I see them. I mean, I I talk to them. I mean, you know, I, I see them daily and talk to them, these young people. Everybody says, you don't know what's going on, Leroy. 
You'd be surprised what I know. Yeah, you'd be surprised. Places like Ryder should not even exist. They should be General Motors jobs and Ford jobs, Chrysler jobs, FCA jobs. These little plants that are, by and large, owned by former auto company executives or run by them shouldn't exist. You know, FedEx sent some people into the bowels of the warehouse where I worked. They had a, a little station at the, at the bay door on the loading dock where they could load their uh, air, aircraft modules. And we allowed that. They sent somebody into the bowels of the plant to start doing some of our work. And they come to me because I was the ranking officer on the afternoon shift. And they said, they got a guy up there working scales in the mes- on the mezzanine. That's our job. I said, yeah, it's our job. What are you going to do about it? I said, watch. I walked up there, asked him who he was, asked him for his union card, UAW union card. He couldn't produce either one of those. And I said, I'm the recording secretary and the ranking officer of the UAW on this shift. You cease and desist your operations on this job right now. This is a UAW job and you are not authorized to do it. I will walk you down the mezzanine stairs and out to the area where you are allowed to work, but you're done working here now. He said, you don't have to walk me out. I'll go. And he did. He left. Here comes the supervisor. And she looked at me, and she knew they were wrong. She didn't even say a word. She brought somebody over and put our person on the job. She knew it. Of course, the next day, everybody bitched at Leroy for doing something about it. We don't have anybody that does that shit anymore. Throw them right out of the damn plan. They don't belong in our plan. And our job shouldn't be outsourced. So... Well, it looks like they're done with you. Yep, he's all aghast because they they cut they cut plants and they put them on no product allocated. By the way, the only one that they truly said they were going to close is Oshawa. The rest of them in the United States, the other what the four, especially Hamtramck and Lordstown, are. No product allocated. And we'll see how much pressure that Congress can put on them. Because I'm pretty sure that Congressman Ryan is going to grill the living crap right out of Mary Bear tomorrow. Because I happen to know he's armed with some pretty powerful stuff, much of which has been discussed here. and more. So, uh, (laughs) so we'll, 
can be done. Well, our union leadership's just shocked. So they don't, they, you know, there's people out there that, it, you know, uh, make shit happen, and people that watch shit happen, and people that ask what the hell just happened. And I think he's one of the last ones. What the hell just happened? You know, I've been I've been having such a good time here. I've been out there at Palm Springs. I've been up there checking on our our brother's new house up there on Black Lake. And oh my God, all this this power that I have. I wouldn't know how to run a political campaign if I had to. And don't know how and just demonstrated that I don't know how to take back the House in the state of Michigan when there's a blue wave going on. Every place my footprint was at, one, dummy, big time, and my favorite candidate beat the most prestigious political consulting firm in the state. Embarrassed him. Yeah. We actually know what's going on. So, what can be done? Pressure, as will occur tomorrow on Mary Barra, for all like her to see the ilk that's become the managers for the corporations need to see what's going to happen the next couple of days there. In Lordstown, in Mahoning Valley, the Chamber of Commerce is hopeful that they have technology in the area that has attracted some $2 billion worth of investment into the area, and they are committed to retain and expand the workforce in the Valley. Many of you know I grew up there. So I'm on this, like, stink on a skunk. They had a nice press pass six-minute interview earlier today. And they're very, very hopeful that they can attempt to retain, in the face of all the stuff that's going on, work in Lordstown. That's General Motors' work. But even if that doesn't occur, they still have a building that's state-of-the-art that has a turnpike exit that was built just for it in Railhead. Room to expand if they need it. And it's state-of-the-art plant facility. that if abandoned, they will put to good use. There is a lot of hope for the Mahoning Valley and the Lord.
Lordstown area. By the way, I grew up about four miles east of that facility, and it was built while I was in high school. General Motors arguably caused steel mills to go down because they, quote, raped the skilled labor force, end quote, from the steel mills because they attracted them. Different work. So one of the things that's being done for that area is they got a good group of people. By the way, <laughs> do you know that somebody from our union actually, it's my understanding, actually had the balls to call a local union leader and ask who gave you authority to try and help your membership? In so many words. I'd like to run into that guy or woman, but I think it's a guy. You know, that, that I mean, my phone rang off the hook. I, I didn't get nothing done this week. It just rang and rang and rang with little little birdies. You know, I don't know about anybody else, but it sure did get around here, let me tell you. I want to run into the person that made that phone call and said, why are you helping your people? Who gave you that authority? I want to run into your ass real bad. You'll learn just exactly what a union brother's all about. What do you think, Jeff? Would you like to run into him? Sure would. <laughs> sure somebody would. made that. Somebody made that call. That's how bad our unions got. Calling somebody up and asking them, <laughs> "Who gave you authority to help your membership?" <laughs> it's 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 gotten so bad. Oh Lord. So, all right. What can be done? First of all. We get our head out of our ass and start putting people that care about us in office so that we can reverse this tax bill, okay? And there's no opportunity to try and recall anybody, so get that out of your head. we got to put up with this crap for another uh, 25 months, okay? I know you're mad at me because I supported politics in this fall. But you're seeing the result of it right here, up close and personal. So wrap your head around that. The leaders that are there and and will be coming need to stop uh, permanent replacement or reverse, re-legislate permanent replacer law replacement law so that when we go on strike they can't just put somebody in our in our job that's got to stop so both of those are legislative okay you're seeing why we're supposed to be involved in politics why the constitution of the UAW says we're required as members to you know register and and ballot you know vote so uh that can be done the legislatures needs to end corporate life insurance and 
take action to recoup monies from these executives who arguably did this for tax evasion purposes and for their own gain at the the, uh, disadvantage of stockholders that they are uh, Supreme Court decision bound to uphold their best interests first. And that was not done when they have CEOs running around with billion-dollar pension plans or very close to it. So that's got to end. Our union needs to resource, not outsource, bring in the, the work from the IPS plants because you just saw the IPS plants, international or in, uh, independent part suppliers, what IPS is, that division of the UAW with small places like Federal Mogul, Johnson Controls, Lear, Ryder, take your pick. There's lots of them out there. They're being run by former, uh, by and large, by former executives of the auto uh, companies. And they're making, you know, I mean, Arlen Carpenter used to make, you know, in today's world would make 150 to $200,000 a year as, as, a, as a plant manager. Today, Arlen's making six or seven million a year because he owns Carpenter Enterprises, right? That's in the Flint and Traverse City areas. So you see the advantage for these retired or uh, left early executives to go start their own or run another one. There's quite an advantage for them. So we got to bring that work back in. They, you know, are supposed to have signed a non-compete clause, and they're competing like crazy. Okay, uh, corporations got to stop doing that. We, as a union, got to insource the work that we so readily allow to be outsourced. And then we need to stop the trade war and the tariffs and simply charge the sales tax of com- company, countries around the world at our border and give the money back to the company, the country that sent the product here. That stops the dumping. The goal is to stop the dumping. That's the goal. You don't start a trade war and poke your finger in everybody's eye. You don't. You just go ahead and charge their tax because they didn't charge it and send the money back to them. Those are the things that need to be done to fix this. Okay? So we didn't just complain about our union and why they're so out of touch and out of control and, you know, Palm Springs-itis that they have. And likely the reason for the resolutions needing to be turned in before it got to be cold weather is they got Palm Spring-itis. You know, it's just unabashed, absolute insolence at us, the membership. 
disregard and disrespect for us. And hopefully the FBI will act before the next contract cycle. By the way, they, you know, that one video, second video, the guy's running around going, well, you, you approve this. You know, if you're really approving something, you run it through your election committee for a ratification vote. And that's not in the Constitution. We tried to get it in there, but it's not. When the International Union can just make up their own rules for election, and we had somebody who claimed to be on the inside of the International Union back in, I guess, October, late October of 2015, it's said. This vote couldn't have happened naturally like this in the case of CA ratification. I can't tell you how we did it, but you all know we did it. So when you have that out there, and I'm quoting somebody else, by the way, or paraphrasing to the degree that my memory might remember, when you have that going on out there, you can't hold up a book and tell me it was all, all correct and proper. Any one of the books. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's just my opinion. So having said all of that, we've gone through the three levels of IEB that come out there from snot-nosed to aghast and discarded after the corporations got everything they wanted. Now they're going to just gut us to the nth degree. By the way, corporation hasn't increased market share since the bankruptcy. If you want to have 80% capacity like you say you want to have, Mary Barra, go market your frickin' car. Market and gain market share, and you will fill these plants up. Don't starve dealers that wanted cruises, and don't starve them for marketing. Because I'm going to tell you, I'll pay a paraphrase a friend of mine, little girl lost, end of quote. You haven't seen a downturn in your career like what's coming. And you're going to need them small. You're going to need them small cars. I told you that in August of 16 on this radio show. And now you've just abandoned that. And you will, I guarantee you, you will regret this decision, Miss, Mrs. Mary Barra, CEO of General Motors, you will regret what you just did simply because of the market. The economic sine wave goes up and down, and we happen to be at the top, and you're all full of yourself. 
We should be talking about clawback, not givebacks. So, Jeff, you got anything to add to that? No, I don't, but you're right. You did a damn good job. Too many people never did anything other than look good, get a little bit of education, wrote memory that they forgot everything they learned in 60 days. Not a good accountant among them. But they got a raise because they're accountant, and we got the best now. We got the best. <laughs> you got to pay them to, get, to attract the best. Last time I checked, the best didn't look shocked and surprised. The best go out there and go after them. I didn't see any of them going after them. Well, look what the corporation did to me and us. We need your help. Look at this book. You all approved it. Oh, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. They, they did this to us. I mean, look what we've given them. All this dead peasants insurance money, and they just, this, look what they did to us. Wine-ass, bunch of no good, rotten. I don't know how many ways I can say it. I will say this. If things would have went different in June, none of this would be going on. Because guess what? There are people that don't have Palm Springitis. You're talking to one of them. Listening to one. Well, okay, Jeff, you got anything to add? No, sir. I do not. Uh, you got any announcements or anything you'd like to talk about? No. Okay. No. Well, I hope this seems to add a little bit of a uh, stark reflect to what happened and what is going on that caused it to happen and what can be done to fix it. And if Congress is listening, you got work to do. And us membership, we got work to do to put people there that won't stick up for corporations. Some of you own this that happened. Some of you are the cause of it. Let's fix it. Okay. Let's fix it. It can be fixed. Otherwise, the country's gone. Because this isn't just happening with GM, Ford, and FCA. All Fortune 500 companies that have a large contingent of retirees or about to be retired are doing this and they're sucking the life's blood out of the, the economy of the United States and somebody's got to stand up against it sooner rather than later and 
it is dead peasants insurance that's the cause of it. I look forward to more FBI action soon. Somebody connected some dots the other day. They woke up. <laughs> okay, gang. Um, thanks for listening, everybody in, in, in around the world. Uh, all of our friends in Canada, some friends in Mexico who want to do better like we do. All of our friends in the UAW, in the UAW and our friends in other unions around the nation that wish we were better partners for them. Thank you for everything you do. All the non-union people wanting to have a better job that think you don't want to work for 725 or 925. You know, here in Michigan, they want to roll back the 925 they just got here. Or not 950. They got. I'm sorry. They went to 950 minimum wage. They want to roll back that now. So I want to thank you, non-union workers, as well for listening. If you get the chance, and we hope you understand a little bit about what happened this past week, why our union failed us. They've yet to come up with any kind of a plan. Nobody has been reassuring from anywhere near the top. When George Meany came out and did a press release on video, you knew that things were going to get better just because the way he said it. He didn't sound like he was whining. He went out and made something happen. Kind of like me throwing somebody off the mezzanine. They came to me and said, make something happen. I did. Damn the consequences. People didn't like it in management, but that's too damn bad. People didn't like it in my union. That's too damn bad. I didn't fit in a new union. Well, I've had my belly full of the new union. So, with that said... Everybody have a safe week. Hopefully we'll see some sanity coming this next week. Bless you all, and good night from here. The Office of Working for a Living. Good night, Jeff. Good night, listeners. Good night, Roy. Good night.